Welcome to Faith Church Podcast, where we are a safe place to find and follow Jesus. We're so glad you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe God will impact your life through today's message. Amen, amen. God is good. I tell you what, it is so good to be in church this morning. I love it. And uh, boy, if you don't know Kay, oh, she, they don't, they don't, she is so special. And, um, you know, the thing I love about Kay is not just her incredible ability to sing better than I can. There she is. I was waiting. Good. Um, but her heart and she loves Jesus. I'm telling you, um, you know, we, we say things all the time. Like, uh, we don't worship with our songs or we don't worship with our voices. We worship with our hearts and, and Kay embodies that. And, uh, man, I tell you, she is such a blessing. And, um, you know, uh, I'll take this moment just to even share a little bit what she shared earlier. Uh, some of you may not know that we uh, are a part of uh, the Assemblies of God, the fellowship uh, of 13,000 churches nationwide, about 290 churches here in Ohio. Um, but the Assemblies of God uh, was a, is a movement um, that, that really launched in the Azusa Street revivals, uh, like a lot of uh, fellowships or denominations did. Um, but uh, what we love about that is... One of my favorite lines that came out of the Azusa Street Revivals, and if you don't know the history, I'll give you a quick lesson, and that is that uh, William Seymour, an African-American preacher who God called from Houston, Texas to Southern California, and I won't get into all the story, it's just an amazing uh, God-ordained, God-moved story, uh, but he preached this revival that transformed the country and, and still today. Uh, but one of the lines, one of the quotes that came out of that was, that the color line was washed away with the blood. And, uh, uh, cause you, 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 if you understand history of the early 1900s, um, yeah, what a beautiful, beautiful thing with people, uh, coming together, all different backgrounds and all different races and all different, uh, just, styles coming together to worship God. I do believe that's what heaven will look like. Uh, we just come together in unity and worship God. Man, I'll tell you, Kay, thank you so much for being you. Yeah. Love you. So. Amen. 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 Oh, boy, I tell you, God is moving in such amazing ways, and I am so uh, uh, just excited to see what God is doing, not just today, but in the, in the weeks and months to come. God is really doing something significant. I want to share something. Some of you may have saw the update that we shared uh, this week about prayer. Uh, those of you who've been a part of faith for a long time know that prayer is a significant part of who we are. We believe in not just you personally praying and spending time communicating with God, talking with God, listening to God, uh, spending time in God's presence, but also corporately coming together for prayer. And so for well over three years, and I couldn't think back or do the research on when we actually started that, but it's been, I'll just say it's been well over three years. I know that, uh, that we've set aside time in our calendar to open up the sanctuary for prayer uh, on Saturday nights, every Saturday night at 6 p.m., a group of people will come in the sanctuary. We'll pray for about an hour. Uh, and then every mor Tuesday morning at 9 a.m., a group of people would come in. It's just doors are open. We just come on in here and we pray. And we've been doing that for, uh, again, well over, well over three years. 
And just, we talked a little bit last week about what God is doing uh, in some of our college campuses and around, across the nation. Um, and and uh, we just wanted to, uh, I prayed through kind of, you know, what's, what's our response to this? And, and as God is moving, and I just, uh, when, is, I'm brought back to the importance of prayer. Now, important prayer is in our own lives. And, and not just for you on a regular basis to spend some time with God in God's presence and spend some time talking with and communicating with God, then also corporately. And so um, uh, we, we decided to adjust some of our prayer schedules. And so a couple of things I just want you to be aware of is that starting uh, March 5th, the first next, next Sunday, uh, we're going to start a Sunday night prayer uh, time at 5 p.m. We're going to come in here on Sunday night and we're just really going to Pray for those who are seeking God, believing for God to do something in their life, those who are just in need, uh, whatever it may be. We're going to spend some time in worship and prayer and just really just seek after God on, on and just pray for needs. So, yes, in that time, we will be praying for people, uh, gathering together. So if you have uh, something you've just been believing God for, you've been praying for on Sunday night. If you if you come in here, we're going to spend some time praying for you. Uh, we're going to gather around you and pray for specific needs. So Sunday nights, uh, we're going to do that once a month. Starting off, I'm sure we will add times uh, as we move forward, but that's just something Sunday nights, the first Sunday of every month uh, at five o'clock. Uh, our Saturday night prayer is still going to, you know, we're still going to continue to do Saturday night at 6 p.m., um, but we we decided to expand the weekly prayer times to give more people an opportunity to come pray um, because everyone's schedules are different. You know, I know there's so many people that would love to join us at 9 a.m. on Tuesdays for prayer, but uh, people work, and so not everybody can be here. And so here's, here's what we're going to do uh, just to spend more time in prayer and give more opportunity for you to spend time in here. And, and let me just say, uh, I, can you pray at home? Yes. Yes, you can. Can you pray at work? Yes, you can. Can you pray in your car? Yes, you can, as long as your eyes are open. Um, can, you know, can you, can you, you can pray anywhere. God is everywhere. But I also know that there's just something about the church. And uh, it's just, there's something about gathering together and coming together and praying. There's just something about it. I just know when I'm really praying, yes, I have a, uh, you know, an office at home that I will pray in. But, boy, if I really need something because I have keys to the church, I'm going to come down here and probably sit in this room all by myself and spend some time with the Lord. I don't, why? I don't know. It's just something about it, right? There's something about it. And so, uh, so we're going to expand our weekly prayer times. And so from 6.30 a.m. to 6.30 p.m., Monday through Thursday, I want you to know this sanctuary will be open. If you just want to come in here and spend some time in prayer, we'll have people available uh, that will to pray with you or just to, uh, the, there will just be worship music playing and the sanctuary will be open. So from 6.30 a.m. to 6.30 p.m., Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, for four days a week, this sanctuary will be open. So if at any moment you're sitting at work and you just, man, it's been a rough day and you have a, a lunch break and you want to spend, you know, 15 minutes here praying, you can. The, the sanctuary, the doors will be open. The sanctuary will be open. The lights will be on. If you want to come in before work or if 6.30 is not early enough for you to come in before work, if you want to come in after work, right, uh, whatever your rhythms may be. If you want to grab your family together one night a week and come up here and just pray with your family, you can do that. But from 6.30 a.m. to 6.30 p.m., this sanctuary is going to be open for you to just spend some time uh, seeking God's face. Why? Because it's important. And, uh, yeah, so thank you. Yeah, sure. And prayer is an important part 
uh, of our relationship with God. And prayer is an important part of what he's doing in this area. And prayer, uh, we cannot underestimate the importance of prayer. And so uh, also for those of you, we've, we've shifted a couple of things. I don't know if you guys have been uh, following these. These are so uh, amazing. I really, really enjoyed this, uh, the daily prayers. Um, if you guys haven't, they're in your bulletin. You can grab those. You can get them on the app. They're available. Uh, I just, I want to just, uh, just say thank you to, to those who are, who are doing this. So I, I know that they won't like it when I say this, but I'm going to do it. So Sue Plum, uh, and Heather Byington and Brad Brown, thank you so much for the time and energy that you invest in, in, in writing these and putting this together and, and printing it and all of that. So thank you so much, uh, for being, yeah, let's. Let's give them a round of applause for their sacrifice there. <clears throat> awesome. But these are, and if, you, and if you don't know what this is, it's in the bulletin. It's just a daily prayer. It's a scripture and a prayer. Um, so just read that scripture and pray that prayer over, over your life and, during the day. And, and uh, yeah, yeah. Awesome. So that's enough on the public service announcements. Uh, let's jump into our series here. Now, those are important public service announcements, though, right? Uh, but let's jump into our series. We've been going through the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to spend... 15 plus weeks or so in this series. It's a marathon. Why? Because the Sermon on the Mount is such an important uh, piece of teaching that Jesus is really sharing with the people uh, in the New Testament, the New Covenant, for those of you who understand. And, and what we're really experiencing here with the with Jesus' teaching on the Sermon on the Mount is there's a significant paradigm shift. There's a, there's a very significant paradigm shift as we're walking through things like the, the, if you look at the old covenant, the, re, the way that people related to God in the Old Testament, um, before Jesus, it was one of those things, there was a lot of doing, right? A lot of things you had to do. If this, for this, you had to do this, you had to do that. And there were a lot of rules and regulations and, and, uh, rituals that you had to do. There was a lot of doing. And the real paradigm shift that you're starting to see here in the Beatitudes is a shift from doing to being. And really, what's really beautiful about this whole thing is Jesus is preparing us, preparing the people for what would be considered the, the, the new covenant. And that is that there's no more doing. Why? Because Jesus did it all. Amen. Right? So the thankful thing is we sit here today in 2023, as we have the opportunity to sit here today, understanding that Jesus did it for us, that Jesus on the cross paid the price for our sin and for the brokenness of our lives, for the brokenness of humanity, he paid the price. He was the, the final sacrifice. So what's really beautiful about that is there's not much that we have to do. But there is an element of who we need to be. See, the paradigm shift here is this shift from doing to being. And yes, there's always doing. I know there's some of you who know your scriptures well, and you're going to say, yeah, but James, right? Faith without works is dead. Yes, correct. But it's an overflow. What I would say to us as we have this conversation is it's the source of the doing is different. Oh, we're going to talk about that a little bit more, but, but it's kind of like the source where it comes from, the why, the why of the doing it's different. All right, so let's open our Bibles up uh, if, if you want to, and, and, and we're going to walk through the Sermon on the Mount. Open your Bibles up to Matthew chapter 5. If you have a pew Bible, it is page 579 that we are going to open it up to, so feel free to do that, Matthew chapter 5. But before we read that, again, walking through this 
Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus is really walking through how to live, and he's talking about being blessed. So blessed is the person who, blessed is the person who, or God blesses those who, and there's all these phrases <clears throat> that we're walking through. Can I, can I just say this uh, to you this morning before we get started? That's kind of a cliffhanger, maybe this, as we jump into this, and, and I want to say it this way, is that if you seek the blessing, you'll miss the blessing. You know, when we look at the Sermon on the Mount, you know, blessed is the person who, and as I described blessed a few weeks ago, is this perpetual state of being, this prolonged happiness, this, this you know, we could capture this in, a, in the sense of happy and blessed and, and this perpetual ongoing state of being, you know, and, and so it'd be very easy for us to go, ooh, I want that, so what do I need to do to get that, and it'd be easy for us to read these Beatitudes and go, oh, in order to get that, if I do this, then I will get that. And I tell you this morning that if you seek the blessing, you'll miss the blessing. So, so much of this is not a consumer approach to Scripture. This is not like we live our lives in American uh, society where there's commercials. I'm not up here giving you a commercial today on why you should buy Jesus. Right? My goal here is not to convince you that Jesus is better than anything else. My goal is to convince you that Jesus is the only way. My job is to convince you that Jesus is Lord, right? And so to understand that he is the creator of the heavens and the earth, that God, that Jesus, the God, is the only God. Right, that's, so I'm not here to convince you. I'm not here to, to sell you on anything. I'm not a, I'm not a salesman this morning. That's not my goal. That's not my calling. That's not what I'm trying to do. But when you walk through the Beatitudes, boy, it's one of those things you think, man, this is a great sales pitch. Right? Like, I want to, who wants to be blessed? Right? It doesn't take long if you're like, Oprah, you get a blessing and you get a blessing. Those of you who are new, yep, I'm that guy. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's one of those things. Like that's that's not it. We have this consumer mentality often. It's a it's really the struggle for the American church. It really is. I'll be honest with you. If we look at the American church, the struggle we have in the American church culture is that it's so consumer minded. As I go to church, why? Because of what I can get out of it. I I follow Jesus. Why? Because of what He does for me. And while there's an element of that, don't get me wrong, there's a piece of that, there's a part of that, there's both things exist at the same time, but it's way more than that. You know, it's kind of like, you know, I know Mel and I talk from time to time, and we talk about worship, and just the songs we sing, and, and there are songs that we, that you may hear on the radio that we won't typically sing here, and some of it's because the, because the focus of the song is us, is me. And we want to sing songs where the focus of the song is God, right? If we're going to sing a worship song, what we're not trying to do is talk about us, right? What we want to sing is a song that declares God's goodness and God's grace and his majesty, that he is the Lord of lords and the King of kings and the creator of the world. If we want to sing a song, let's just worship his lordship. Let's worship his majesty, which I would just encourage you real quick 
uh, not in my notes, but can I just challenge you this morning that if during worship, I do this all the time. Like, don't just get caught up singing the songs on the screen. But feel free at any moment to break away from the song and worship God in your own way. Feel free to uh, uh, deviate from the songs as the words as they're written and just pause for a minute and say, oh God, you are good. Oh God, worship you. You can pick up the song later on because I know the worship team loves it when you sing with them. So uh, don't stop doing that. But uh, uh, but it's one of those things. Don't don't be afraid. Don't be locked into this. this okay, let's go. Matthew chapter five, verse six says this. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice. Man, that sounds good. For they will be satisfied. In 5-7, we'll put both these together. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And oh man, if we just look at those real quick again, God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice. Most, a lot of translations, actually most translations, the ESV, the NIV, the New King James, other translations will, will, will translate that word righteousness, right? Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be satisfied or they will be filled, depending on your translation. Matthew 5, 7 says, God blesses those who are merciful for they will be shown mercy. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, I pray that you'll speak to our hearts through your word. Help us to see you and you alone. God, we love you and we need you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can I just take a few minutes very quickly uh, and break down these, these phrases as we've done a little bit with moving forward, that we understand that all these words have meaning. There's a depth of meaning. We've, we've talked about the difference in, in, in the Greek language and the English language, and sometimes there's a struggle on how to, how to translate a word because the English language doesn't give enough depth, kind of like the word blessed. We talk about that. The depth of the Greek word is much, much more robust than the English word just blessed. And so, um, similar to this, I want to walk through some things here, and I want to walk through just words, so hunger and thirst. Well, I tell you, hunger and thirst is a really beautiful definition or description of what God is saying here. Those who hunger and thirst, and there's no, there's no trick here. That is what it is, hunger and thirst. You know, I, I, those of you who, who know uh, me or just looking at me, you can tell that I am not a marathon runner. So I've often said I am not, I am not built for um, long distances. I'm just not, I'm not, I'm not built for that. I'm built for impact is kind of the way I was, you know, I'm the guy, not just emotionally, uh, but also physically, if a wall needs to be broken, I'm your guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, if, if a door needs to be broken down, you call me, right? Like, I'm your guy. I'm not a distance runner, but I can remember the first 5K. Now, come on. Some of you guys who do run marathons, just be gracious to me this morning, Okay. So I can remember the first attempt uh, that I ever had in a 5K. Uh, I don't know how long that is, three point something, maybe-ish miles, too long in any one given moment. Uh, I think Ken runs that daily, which may the Lord bless you uh, and keep you. Um, but, <laughs> uh, but it's one of those things where I, that's, you know, I, I can remember it was downtown Sandusky. Oh, I did that. Um, it was downtown Sandusky and they had a 5k down there. And I can remember I attempted to run it. I did not run it. Um, I, I, well, 
what I did was probably better defined as run, jog, walk. As close as you get to crawl on two feet, followed by, and it was like a, it was like a pendulum. I took off running, turned into jogging, turned into walking, turned into gasping for air, turned into walking faster, into jogging. I don't think I ever got back to running again, and then back down to walking, you know, so that was kind of what it looked like. I will never forget when I got to the finish line uh, of that, um, some of you guys say, did you feel accomplished? No, I felt like a moron. I felt dead. I felt, I felt like I will never do this again. That's what I felt like. But here's the funny, the craziest thing about it is that um, at the finish line, they had like some Gatorade. I can remember drinking that Gatorade, right? And I, I'll say this, and you know, it's just a figment of my imagination, but I felt like I could feel that Gatorade going into my body and rejuvenating me. You know, it's kind of like, I was kind of like, oh, oh, you know, it's like one of those, I'm back to life. You know, I felt, and I know that's not real, but that's the way I felt. But so in that moment, here's what hunger and thirst is kind of like that line I was at before I drank the Gatorade after I ran the 5K, right? Like, I need something or I'm not going to make it. You know what I mean? Like, and so at that point it was, was, was Gatorade, but hunger and thirst definitely is that Jesus is saying here, those who hunger and thirst, hunger and thirst. Think about being very hungry. Think about being very thirsty. And he's saying, if you hunger and if you thirst for what? Thirst for justice or thirst for righteousness, right? So when you look at these words, it's, you know, searching for, hungering for, doing what is right, Christ-likeness, right? And we can oh, break down these words, but uh, I may do this later on in the series. But when you look at this, those who hunger and thirst for what is right, Christ-likeness, a life that is right, that is sanctified, that is justified, that is righteous. And some of you are like, man, those are some big church words. They are. And we won't get into them today. So just chalk it up as big church words there for a minute. But hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. You know, this word satisfied actually walks through. It's, 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 again, more than just, oh, I feel good. You know, how many of us, myself included, maybe this is confession time. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. But how many of us struggle with a thing called portion control? Um, yes. So I can tell you this, that I am entering into a, a new season of life. I assume or I anticipate that I will lose some weight over the next couple years of my life. And here's why. Because as a, as a father, I have a duty and a responsibility to clean the plates of my entire family. And uh, after 26 years of marriage, I still am not very good at uh, at home of eating my, the, my first plate, and I'm usually done fast. I eat fast, so then I will go get some more because I get seconds uh, because that's what you do. And then after I eat my seconds, then my wife is always like, "Mandy's like, do you want the rest of mine?" And I always go, "Oh, if I would just wait and not get seconds, I know I'm going to get some of Mandy's." But like a good husband and father, I'm like, "Yes, I do." 
Well, here's the problem I'm in now is that my boys now sometimes take my extras. And yeah, I got an issue with it. Because I'll be honest with you, if we are having beef, they will eat all of the beef. And I get the green beans. Right? Like, they will eat all the good stuff. Mandy's like, hey, does anybody want mine? They're like, ooh, I'll take this. Ooh, I'll take that. Ooh. And all the good stuff is gone. And what is left is broccoli. So... I think the Lord's doing that to me on purpose. He's saying, Tom, you need to slim it down a little bit. So I'm taking some so portion control. But this word satisfied is kind of like this uh, throw portion control out, out the window. It is, again, this concept of abundance. It is more than enough. Satisfied is not just like, hey, I had this much chicken and this much rice and this much vegetable. Mm-mm. That's not the way I roll. It's like, I just heard this week, listen, it's going to change your life. I heard this week that in Norwalk, there is a Mexican buffet? What? Yes, please. You know, like, I will be going there as soon as I can. That is fantastic. Whoever's idea that was, I'm all in on that. Like, what? Can I get some more refried beans? Yes, I can. You know? Oh, I told you it changed your life. But, but it's kind of like, it's kind of like that. It's like you go to a buffet. Like this, this whole concept of satisfied is again, this abundance, this, this more than enough type field. So, so think about this, this, this verse where he says, God blesses those who hunger and thirst for righteousness or justness or justice, or Christ-likeness, for they will be satisfied. They will be filled. Oh, so good. Let's go to the next one. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Again, merciful here is really one of these things. It's, it's empathy. It's compassion. And here's what's beautiful about this one. I love this one. Because it's kind of like, I believe that the order is important. I believe the order is important on this one. So, Blessed are those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. If you have your Bible, turn it to Luke chapter 6. I want you to read a scripture with me here. Luke chapter 6, verse 37 and 38. Jesus says this, Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others, or it will all come back against you. Forgive others, and you will be forgiven. Give, and you will receive. Isn't that interesting there that the order is very similar here? Blessed are those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. I do believe that the order matters there. I do believe that there's something about if we will do what is right... It's, it's the, the law of reciprocity, if you're familiar with that concept. It's what comes around, goes around. It's the what you sow, you will reap kind mindset in, in Scripture. It's this whole thing that if you are, show mercy, you'll receive mercy. If you, if you show goodness, you'll receive goodness. 
These two, these two um, Beatitudes are really, really fantastic. And I want to walk through something here with me. So uh, very quickly, let's, let's go on a journey. And the journey we're going to go on is a glimpse into society. Right? I've said probably for a couple of years now, there's, there's, there's something missing in today's world. I've, I've shared this, oh man, for a while now. I've, I've, you probably, some of you have probably heard me say it in different settings, but there's, there's some things that are missing in, in society today. And here's what they are. Responsibility and empathy. In our, in our society, in American culture today, we, we really, we're, we're missing uh, this concept of responsibility. And, and we're missing this concept of empathy, right? The, the concept of responsibility that is missing in today's world is this, you know, everything is everybody else's fault, right? We, we have, we're, we as a culture, again, I'm not saying just culture, like we're going to just let's use big, broad brushes here for a few minutes, right? As a culture, if something goes wrong, it's somebody else's fault, right? Like we, we are quick to blame or we are quick, oh, well, if this wouldn't have or if this wouldn't have or if they would do this or if that would happen, then there's all these if-then statements that kind of fill our heart and life which is nothing more than a, than a push off of responsibility. I tell my kids all the time that you are responsible for your actions. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what anybody does. I don't care what situation you find yourself in. The only thing I care about is how you respond. Because at the end of the day, you are responsible for your actions. You are responsible. Right? Uh, that's what I tell my boys. But this world society, boy, we don't, we don't, we don't want to be responsible for anything. There's a lack of responsibility in this world. And similarly, there's a lack of empathy in this world. Now, I, I know this, and this one, this one goes both ways. You know, and empathy really shows up in our world in things like, I am always right and you are wrong. We, we see the lack of empathy in our world today uh, in things like we care more about winning than we do what is right. Instead of getting something right, we care about winning. In, instead of trying to understand, instead of trying to empathize with somebody's situation, we are quick to, as a culture, again, stay with me here, right? This is going to feel, but we are quick to judge. We are quick to, right, there's a, a lack, a significant lack of empathy in our world. Those are two things that culturally in society that we struggle with. It's one of those things where responsibility and empathy are gone, where everything is someone else's fault and everyone else is wrong. We have this inability as a culture, again, <laughs> Stay with me here. Uh, inability to take responsibility. Now, this inability to empathize with, and we'll just say the opposite side. Now we could say the hurting or the, we could say a lot of different things in there, but 
we'll just say for the for the sake of this conversation that we we as a culture have an inability to empathize with the other side. This is, and you've heard me say this before. This is um, continue. This is compounded on by social media. All right? Can I just shoot straight with you here for a minute? Right? Social media has turned this into a mess. Right? And you see it over and over and over again. So can I just encourage you uh, as your pastor to be very careful the amount of time you spend on Facebook and Twitter? Can I encourage you to be very careful with the things that you read and allow into your heart and into your mind? Can I encourage you? I mean, I, even for me, there's times when you just read something and you start feeling frustrated. And you're like, ooh, I want to respond to that. Knowing that that ain't going to help nothing, right? Like if you, you're about to argue with somebody you'll never meet in your life, right? So, you know, I just, I just want to encourage you to be very careful with that. But as we, as we look at these two things, uh, these two, these two verses, uh, hunger and thirst for, I don't want to use the word righteousness. I like the, uh, the translation righteousness better than justice, to be honest with you. So I'm going to use righteousness, right? So who hunger and thirst for righteousness and God blesses those who are merciful for they will be shown mercy. It's very similar to a scripture in the book of Micah. In the book of Micah, in chapter 6, verse 8, there's this incredible, incredible story in Micah chapter 6, uh, and, and in beyond, you read this in context, there's this incredible story is God is kind of like, why have you turned your back on me? Right? And, and there's this wrestling with God, like, what's going on? And, and then there's this, well, what do we do now? And, and at the end of Micah, or not at the end of Micah, but at the end of this kind of this conversation, um, it says, well, should we, should we sacrifice this or do this? Or should we, you know, what do we need to do? This is what the people's response. What do we need to do? And Micah says, no, no, oh, people, the Lord has told you what is good. And this is what the Lord requires of you. To do what is right. If you, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, if you have a few Bibles, page 555. I'm sorry for those of you. I forgot to read that. So you can turn there real quick. Micah chapter 6, verse 8. It says, uh, this is what the Lord requires of you. To do what is right. To love mercy. And to walk humbly with your God. What, what does the Lord require of us? To do what is right. Some translations will say to do justice or to act justly. New Living says to do what is right. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for righteousness or justice or Christ-likeness for they will be satisfied. To love mercy, Micah says, Matthew 5, 7 says, God blesses those who are merciful for they will be shown mercy. And then Micah says, and to walk humbly with your God. This is, there's some, there's some threads here in scripture that kind of, you know, many people have said that, that the book of Micah, this portion, Micah 6, 8, is probably the most concise um, way of kind of describing what, what following God looks like. What does it look like? What do we, let's look like to follow God. Here, here's what it is. To, to do what is right, 
to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Like that's, it's one of the most concise, easy descriptions of what it means to, to walk with God. Uh, but there's still this wrestling with how, and I'm going to have to have the worship team come on up and we'll get ready to close here in a minute. I've got a few things here. So, um, let's, let's stay with me here just for a second. But in Philippians chapter, uh, so how do we do this? How do we do this? How, how do we hunger and thirst for righteousness? What's that look like for us? What's it look like? How, how do we do that? How do we act mercifully? How, how do we, how do we, well, how does that play out in our life? Right? Because it's very easy for me to just preach and say, hey, everybody, listen, hunger and thirst for righteousness. And then you get done with lunch today and you're like, what does it look like to hunger and thirst for righteousness? Like, how do we do that? I want you to open your Bibles at the book of Philippians chapter 3. And this is what's really, I just love this, this verse. Philippians chapter 3, if you've got a pew Bible, it's page 709. Philippians chapter 3, right? Uh, I want to read this portion of Scripture. I'm going to read uh, verses 8 through 14. Follow, follow with me, if you will. Philippians chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 8 through 14. Now, Paul was kind of before this talking about the things that he's done. And in verse 7, he said, I, I, used to, I once thought that these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Verse 8, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Oh, man, that's so good. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count my own righteousness through obeying the law. Now catch this. I no longer count my own righteousness through obeying the law. Here's what, I no longer count my own righteousness by what I do. Right? Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. And I want to know Christ. Oh, listen to this. And experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection of the dead. Verse 12 says, I, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things, that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess the perfection for which Christ Jesus possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Oh my goodness, that's so good. I encourage you today to go home and read Philippians chapter 3, verse 8 through 14, four or five times. And read it slowly. I want you to listen to what Paul's saying. He said, listen, I no longer, righteousness, 
the righteousness that I have, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the righteousness that I have is not because of what I do. It's because of one thing. It's because of my faith in Jesus. Because I believe, because I have made a decision to follow God with my life, because of my faith in Jesus, because of that, I am made righteous, not because of what I do, but because of what Jesus has done. It's because Jesus has paid the price. He has done it all for us. And those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, what's that look like? Those who hunger and thirst for God in their life. Those who hunger and thirst to know God, like Paul said, I want to know Christ. Verse 10, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Oh, I love this phrase here. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. It's verse 9. It's about finding and following. It's about, it's about hunger and thirsting for God. And if we will hunger and thirst for righteousness, how do we obtain righteousness? Through faith in Jesus. So what I'm saying is those who hunger and faith for Jesus, you'll receive righteousness, but you'll be satisfied. You'll receive God's presence in your life in an overflowing and abundant way. More than you could ever imagine Christ will fill your life. Oh, so good. I, I, I've been ending these sermons with three things. What I want you to picture, I want you to ponder, and I want you to pray, right? It's kind of been my, my Sermon on the Mount thing. Here's, here's what I want you to picture. I mean, picture this. Maybe close your eyes for a moment. Picture this. Can you picture having access to God? in every moment, in every situation, in every decision. I mean, just picture that for a minute. Can you picture having access to the creator of the universe in every situation, in every moment, in every decision? Picture that for a minute. Can I tell you, you can have that? The Holy Spirit is with us. The Holy Spirit is in us. We have access to God in every moment, in every circumstance, in every situation, in every decision, in what you're going through right now in your life, in the struggles, in the anxieties, in the pressures of your life right now. I want you to you have access to God because of Jesus. And we get that through our faith in Jesus. I want you to picture that. Here's what I want you to ponder. You ready for this one? It's a tough one. Do you hunger and thirst for God or the blessings of God? You know what I want you to really even process as we sing some songs. If we could just stand here and get ready to close. I'll give you the prayer piece before we end today. But as we, as we, take some time here this morning and sing a song. I, I think it's important for us to 
to really just wrestle with what God's saying to us. And, and I know that there are people here that when I say, picture this, picture having access to God in every moment, every situation, and every decision. There are people that go, ooh, that would be nice. You can have that by simply making a decision to follow Jesus, by asking God to become the Lord of your life, by asking Jesus to come into your heart. And he will, he will not just be near you, he will be in you. God loves you. He knows and he understands. And you have access to him. But the real struggle, the real wrestle, the real tension point for all of us is, do you seek the blessings of God? Or do you just seek God? Because I believe if you seek the blessings of God, you'll miss them that the blessings of God come out of his presence. So the goal of our heart is just to say, God, I need you. I need you. And when God shows up, our perspective changes. Our thought processes change. Our everything changes when we allow God into our heart and life. And it's in that that we live blessed because of perspective, because of righteousness, because of grace, because of mercy, because of Christ Jesus in our lives. So as we, as we sing a song or two, I wanna encourage you today to sing, to worship, but also to picture having access to God in your situation, in what you're struggling with, in the, in the things that you brought into church today to know that you have access to God in that. But then I also want you to think about this question. Do we just want rescued by God or do we want to know him? Oh, because if you know him, oh, to know God, to know God is to live blessed. We'll pray for you and I'm done praying. We're going to sing some songs. We're going to have some people come forward. If you need prayer this morning, uh, there are people that will pray with you. If you just want to spend some time praying in your seat, you can do that. But if you also want to come up here and pray, uh, just, just feel free at this in this time. Our encouragement for you is to spend some time with God, to picture having access to him in your, in your situations, but to really ponder, what is it that I, do I want God? Or am I just looking for the blessings of God and wrestle with that in your heart? Father, today we thank you for your goodness. Lord, help us to know you. Help us to surrender to you. Help us to experience you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that God spoke to you through today's message. If you want to know more about Faith Church, text CONNECT to 419-664-4555. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Thanks for listening, and may you find and follow Jesus in all you do.